You are now listening to the people of digital marketing with your host, me, Kenny Soto. This podcast is your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and most importantly, career advice from the best digital marketers in the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Arpit Chaudhry. Arpit is a non-engineer who loves data and APIs and believes that everybody, irrespective of their technical chops, should gain data literacy to stay relevant. He likes to spend his days thinking, writing in simple terms, and answering questions about all things data. He also firmly believes in the power of delayed gratification. In this episode, we do get a little in the weeds on data analysis and how to organize and collect data. So keep in mind that you may need to listen to this episode more than once. I certainly have in order to get as much value out of it as possible. I do hope you enjoy it. Now let's tune in. As mentioned in the introduction of this podcast interview, I am very excited to speak to Arpit. Arpit, how are you? I'm good, Kenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you. Likewise. And I've been doing a lot of research in preparation for this interview, particularly looking at your LinkedIn bio, which I love to read. And you wrote a list of facts about yourself in that bio. Two of them stood out to me the most. Number eight, I am good at selling my ideas and writing about them. And number nine, I get paid to help others sell their ideas. Could you describe <laughs> these two points in more detail so that the listeners can get more context about who you are? Yeah, uh, that's really interesting that you read through my, my LinkedIn bio. Great. So, um, okay, so, so the first one, I, 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 I'm interested. I, I like to, what was it again? I'm, I'm interested in selling my ideas and writing about them, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, like, I mean, just like all of us, I've, I've also had a lot of ideas uh, throughout the years. I've worked on some, I haven't worked on, on some, but I always try to, like, irrespective, irrespective of how, how sold I am on, on, on a new idea, I try really hard to sell my idea to others. Now, that idea can be a business idea. It could be anything else. It could be an idea for a trip. It could be essentially anything that I feel is a little out of the box or, you know, not very easy to sell to others, you know, like I find it really interesting and and challenging to sort of sell ideas to people that they don't expect to hear, hear about. Right. So uh, it's not just about, like I said, just not just about business or work, but uh, in general, it could be about moving homes. You know, I've sold the idea of moving homes several times to my wife. Right. So stuff like that. Um, and when it comes to writing, sure, like every time I have had an idea that, that I've pursued, like from a business context, I've tried and I have written a lot about it. You know, I haven't always succeeded, but I have sort of tried to articulate my idea through through the written word. And that has helped me a lot personally. It has helped me shape my ideas better, but it's also helped others understand my ideas. Like 
like again, uh, all of us have ideas and we like to talk about them. We love to share our ideas with people, but I'm not sure how, what percentage of people write down their ideas and then rewrite those ideas and try to sort of write them in a manner such that anybody who reads that piece of content could be an article, typically it's an article, they're actually sold on the idea. They not just understand the idea, but they're actually sold on the idea. And this process, um, it's, it's, it's an iterative process, not like a one-time thing, but it really helps me personally shape my ideas better. And then it's really fun because a lot of times when I'm having a conversation and someone's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I think you can also try this, right? And I'm like, well, I've already already written about it and I can just send them this article and they're like, oh, great, this is what I had in mind. So, so it's really, it's, it's a great way to also sort of connect with others, you know, uh, because like you're obviously having a conversation and there's only so much you can talk about in a conversation, whether it's a, it's, it's a podcast interview or, or just like a one-on-one 30-minute conversation. So yeah, that's that. What was the, the second one? The second yeah. one is I get paid to help others sell their ideas. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a fancy way of saying that I help uh, companies with their, like basically I work with uh, very specific companies, companies building products in the data infrastructure space. And I help them with, uh, you know, their content strategy, community strategy, product messaging and positioning so so yeah i mean i get paid to help others sell sell their ideas and sell their products uh primarily like uh my my expertise lies in in helping you know companies think think through their uh go-to-market strategy or content community strategy if if you talk about digital marketing like obviously paid ads is a huge part of digital marketing i know nothing or i should say i know very little about paid marketing i'm not an expert when it comes to that yeah, so I, I, I get paid to help people sell their ideas through content and community marketing, so to say. You are an advisor to Mixpanel. Could you describe the importance of product analytics and product analytical tools as it relates to growth and marketing? Yeah, absolutely. This is something I love talking about and, you know, I can talk about all day. So uh, in simple terms, the product analytics tool enables people to understand user behavior and identify points of friction in their app. Now, that's sort of a loaded sentence, but in simple terms, anybody that has that works in, in the SaaS space specifically, uh, it's really important for them to understand how people use their products. It's also equally, I would say, important for consumer technology companies to understand how users use the product. Uh, but when it comes to SaaS, it's actually more complicated because uh, you're not just looking at a particular, uh, an individual user's usage, you're actually looking at uh, the account usage. So in SaaS, almost always, you, you don't just have users, but you have accounts, right? Your customer is, is a company and that company can have multiple users. So you want to understand user behavior, which actually could, could also be account behavior. You know, it's not just about how an individual user is using a product, but you also want to understand how uh, all the users in a company or in an account are using my product, where people are dropping off in the, in the user journey. How are people becoming active, active users, you know, or, or what are the actions that they're performing in the app that are helping uh, us retain those users or those accounts? So, so product analytics tools essentially help people understand all of these things. It's really important when it comes to growth and marketing. Let me first talk about growth. So uh, in terms of growth, unless you 
you you know exactly how people are using a product, what problems they're facing, how many people are uh, sort of you know going from signing up for your for your free trial to like you know performing the core events that lead them to the activation event or the aha moment. Unless you know that, unless you can see you know uh, what percentage of people are dropping out uh, exactly at which step are they dropping out? Are they dropping out right after sign? up or are they dropping on after uh, a specific step in the onboarding, right? Unless you have that data, which you essentially get through a product analytics tool, you, you can't really do much when it comes to growth, right? Uh, because growth is all about looking at data, understanding data, and then acting upon data, using that data to improve your product, but also to improve your your customer experience, you know, also to improve all the outreach, you know, uh, and to improve your your onboarding emails or your in-app onboarding flow, right? So, so that's why product analytics tools are super important for growth people. It's like if you if you don't have a product analytics tool and you you're working in growth, there's there's really not much you can do. You'd be flying blind. When it comes to marketing, well, marketers primarily want to understand how their camp how their campaigns perform and what is the impact of their campaigns, right? It's not just enough to see that, okay, you, you wrote this blog post, it got, you know, 1,000 views, great. That's not enough, right? Because you want to see if that blog post actually resulted in people signing up for your product or scheduling a demo, right? There are cases I have seen where a blog post has got a ton of views, but the conversion, which could be someone signing up for a free trial or scheduling a demo, is really, really low. Whereas there are articles that haven't gotten a lot of views per se, right? But the conversion is really, really high, right? Uh, and that's where product analytics tools uh, really shine because you can actually see the entire user journey. You can see if someone sort of um, landed on a blog, po blog post and then became a free user or scheduled a demo and then you know, eventually became a paying customer. And that's really, really important, right? And marketers who are interested in data, who are interested in actually uh, measuring the impact of their work, definitely benefit from product analytics tool because they can actually go much beyond. They can actually show, they can actually build reports that prove that someone who first landed on our website on this particular page, it could be a blog post, it could be any web page, eventually became uh, a customer and eventually became one of our most valuable customers, stuff like that. So I hope that makes sense. Certainly. My next question is, how do you define product-led growth? Yeah, well, <clears throat> product-led growth is, is really, it's a, it's a really wide sort of term. You know, it, it means a lot of things, but in simplest terms, it, it means that you're essentially using your product as your growth lever, right? So instead of, you know, spending money on ads or spending money on like, influencer marketing or, or whatever else, you're trying to use your product as a vehicle for growth, right? Now, how can, how can, how can one actually do that? Well, to do that, they, they need to understand, they need to have data. Like data is basically the centerpiece of product-led growth. Like you can't actually implement a product-led growth motion if you don't have data, right? And that's why I love to say that you know, being data-led is, is core to becoming product-led, right? Because 
being product led means to to actually and un, again understand how people are interacting with your product what is the onboarding experience like where are people dropping off which particular campaign or like outreach email is actually resulting in people coming back in the product and then using the product which particular feature or or like again outreach uh, or campaign is getting people to add more users or like you know like refer other users right so product led growth is essentially a way to grow your product using data that's that's how i like to sort of sum it up and speaking of data can you also define for the audience what a data stack is yeah absolutely so uh, a data stack uh, essentially is a combination of all the tools that you would need to to essentially become data led so it has four core elements uh, starting with data collection right if you don't have data if you don't collect data you can't really you won't have data you can't do anything with data so the first step is to collect data which typically happens when people interact with your product or use your product uh, it's also known as product data product usage data event data but this is the data that you would actually use in a product analytics tool to understand user behavior so that that then you also collect data from other sources right so if you have a crm or if you're doing ads uh, if you're using an email marketing tool all of those different tools are also generating data right so you also want that data right you want to you don't want that data to be in those tools you want to collect that data and ingest that data into what we call a data warehouse so basically once you collect that data you want to store that data right you don't want want the data to be hanging mid air you want to store it in your own sort of environment in your own database which is essentially a cloud data warehouse where all of all the data that you collect is available in its raw format once you have that you obviously want to derive insights from that data and to do that you need to analyze the data uh, in some cases you also want to uh, transform the data right because to analyze the data you often time you have to transform the data there are specific tools to do that but uh, um, let's assume that you already have clean transformed data which is uh, hardly true but let's just say you do you want to analyze the data and derive insights from it once you derive insights from the data you want to again activate the data or take action uh, on that data right like it's great to derive insights it's great to look at all these dashboards and be like okay we need to do this we need to do that we need to change this but then you actually need to go ahead and do it uh, and you want to use data to actually do that so we often call it data activation that's the the step that comes after you analyze the data right so a data stack comprises all the tools that you would need to collect store analyze and activate data and then of course you have other aspects uh, where you know once you have a basic data stack in place there are other things you want to you want to have a specific tool for uh, data discovery now this is very applicable to larger companies that uh, have you know a lot of data a lot of different data sources a lot of different teams you want to make data accessible within your organization you want to make it easy for people to find exactly the data that they're looking for and there are specific tools for that also referred to as data discovery tools and then you also have uh, data observability tools data monitoring tools all of these other tools and all of them fall under the data stack right uh, but for product led growth companies i would say these four stages of collecting storing analyzing and activating data are key in those four elements and when we consider those four elements what are some common 
challenges, mistakes, or pitfalls you see startups make prior to you coming in and helping them fix their data stack? Mm, yeah, uh, I think the number, the biggest mistake people make is when it comes to to data collection, because uh, I haven't seen many companies, and this is pretty much true industry wide, that the act of collecting data is, so there are two, two aspects of collecting data. First, you want to know what data you want to collect, just because you can collect 1 million data points. You don't want to do that because firstly, it costs money, it takes time. And then having more data is also a problem. So you need to know what data you want to collect. And that has to come from people who are actually going to use that data. If you don't know what you're going to do with that data, you don't know what data to collect, right? So not a lot of teams spend a lot of time thinking about what data to collect. They actually think about what tools to use. And once they finalize, okay, we're gonna use this tool or that tool or these you know, set of tools, they will typically hand it over to their engineering team to implement the tools. Now that's the biggest problem because engineers know how to implement tools, right? But they don't know what data you want to collect, right? They don't know what data is useful for you as a marketer or as a growth person or as a product manager. Like you have to tell them, right? It's not their job to know that. So that's the biggest gap, you know, where a lot of companies sort of, you know, miss this uh, step where they, you know, spend a lot of time evaluating tools. They spend a lot of money on those tools, but then they don't spend enough time implementing those tools properly, which is the biggest problem. And if you don't do that, then everything goes for a toss, right? You might have the best tools out there, but if you don't have the right data, it becomes a challenge. Then basically, uh, people lose trust in the data. You're you're not able to you know get answers to your questions, or you're getting incorrect answers to your questions. You're unable to use the data the way you want to use the data because again, data is not just about analyzing it. It's also about activating the data and using the data to build better customer experiences, to to engage customers at every touch point uh, using that data. So, yeah, the biggest challenge would be to ensure that the data collection step is uh, done thoughtfully and mindfully and in a planned approach rather than, you know, like not spending enough time on it. I don't want to assume that this term is the answer to what you just discussed, but I would love for you to dive deeper into data spaghetti and how does it negatively mm-hmm. affect a business? Yeah, uh, it, it is sort of, uh, it builds into what I just said, right? Like if you if you don't plan your, your data collection, your data strategy, uh, you end up collecting a lot of data, but oftentimes you don't even know what the data means, right? Like, and I've seen this many times, I'm sure many of you, uh, many of the listeners have also seen, seen this inside whatever tool they use, whether it's a you know, web analytics tool, product analytics tool, data warehouse, where they have this data, right? But they don't exactly understand what this data is about, right? So, uh, and that's, that causes data spaghetti because uh, let's say I, I'm a product manager, I've joined a new company, I'm super excited and I want to like look at all, all the data, but I don't understand anything. So I'm like, okay, uh, never mind. I'm just gonna like collect these data points again. And what, what happens is you you actually end up collecting the same data multiple times. It just looks different and you don't even know that that is the same data point, right? Because they have different event names and different property names. So uh, all of this leads to data spaghetti because again, there's a lack of planning. 
there are too many people involved, but you know the right people are not involved, or the person who took care of the implementation initially is no longer with the company. A new person has come in, and you know there's no there's no documentation. That's a big problem. Uh, there's a lack of documentation, so they don't exactly understand the data that's that's available that, that's being trapped and collected and stored. So they sort of you know take a crack at it. They maybe have a different approach. So all of these things lead to data spaghetti, which is essentially what exactly what it sounds like. It's a spaghetti of data where there is a lot of data, uh, but you don't know what to do with it. You don't know if you're using the right data point. And that essentially causes people to lose trust in the data. And when that happens, then, then basically nobody wants to use that data anymore, right? Because you don't trust it. You might, you might like spend a lot of time working on a campaign and, you know, like, you've done a great job with, with all of your content and your, your outreach and your research, but you're using the wrong data and you don't even know it, right? And you might like, you might, you might conclude that you didn't do a great job with the campaign or your content wasn't right or your target audience wasn't right. Maybe everything was right. You just didn't have the right data. So there are endless problems uh, that sort of uh, take place when, when there is data spaghetti and, uh, it's, it's pretty common uh, to have data spaghetti. Yeah, it's more common than you can imagine. Two more questions. What are some core skills, and this can be hard or soft skills, that you have leveraged throughout your entire career? Okay, I would say for me, it's, it's been about like the most important skill that I have leveraged is uh, communication and both uh, written communication and uh, verbal communication. Uh, I think it's, it's the most important skill, uh, irrespective of the role or industry you work in, especially now that, you know, like a bulk of bulk of the workforce is remote. You really, really need to uh, be able to communicate well, and you need to often over-communicate, uh, whether that's communicating internally with your team or even communicating with customers. And then obviously writing stuff. Like I'm a huge fan of writing stuff, uh, sharing my ideas, through, through you know, the written word, not just, you know, talking about my ideas or I, I sharing my ideas in a structured manner, you know, not just sharing a bunch of bullet points uh, in, on, on a Slack, Slack chat, but actually, you know, putting down my thoughts in a document and like polishing it so that when I'm presenting the idea, I don't have to spend much time explaining it, you know, someone who reads it should understand it, ask the right questions and, you know, like basically we should be on the same page. So I would say um, communication, but definitely written communication. And then also um, networking and like, you know, being being out there and having conversations with people. Like uh, one of the things that's worked really well for me is community, being active in communities, irrespective of, of uh, the company I represent. I've been very active in few communities and um, that, has, that has been really great because it has helped me uh, you know, build a lot of connections, help me gather a lot of feedback on, on stuff I'm working on. It's also helped the company that I've worked with. Uh, for example, when I used to let, lead growth at Integromat, which is uh, which was acquired late last year, the workflow automation tool like Zapier, we actually, all our growth was happened through content and community marketing, right? We, because we, we spent a lot of time in the communities where our prospects and customers hung out and we just made ourselves available uh, to our prospects and customers and partners and we we're always there to answer their questions so so yeah just just being more open and like you know like being more responsive uh, across these communities uh, has been really helpful uh, i've seen a lot of people you know um, 
simply ignoring messages like or like being super selective about uh, people they add on LinkedIn. For example, I have a very simple rule. I just add everybody on LinkedIn. You know, it doesn't cost me anything. And LinkedIn has a pretty generous uh, limit to the number of people you can have in your network. So you never know the person who, who's just sent you a request. They, they may not have a fancy uh, background or like, you know, an impressive LinkedIn profile, but they might, they might, they might, you know, have a unique perspective or they might bring something unique to the table. So yeah, just having a more open mind and like, uh, yeah, just, just being uh, open to like conversations and yeah, communicating, I would say, yeah. Last question. And this one is hypothetical. If you had access to a time machine and you can go back 10 years into the past with everything you know now, how would you get to where you are today just faster? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, well, yeah, 10 years back with everything I know now, how would I get to where I am faster? I would just like, you know, uh, make better decisions. I mean, decision making is, is a hard skill to to like get right and everybody no matter how good they are they end up making wrong decisions and I have done that as well whether uh, in my past startup endeavors or you know choosing uh, the companies to work with so I would just you know make sure I take better decisions and one of the things I would do is is to like delay bigger decisions you know like a lot of times I have personally you know taken big decisions without sort of spending a lot of time thinking about them. What I've learned in, in, in the last few years is, is that if, if you have a big decision to make and if you can delay it, you should delay it as much as you can, right? It sounds counterproductive, but it's actually it actually works really well. You know, if, if you have one week to decide uh, on something, you should spend that one week. Uh, even if, you, if you're sure about a decision in like two days, you should still sit on that decision for five more days before you actually communicate your decision. So I would definitely take that into account and, you know, try to take better, better decisions. Amazing. Thank you, Arpit, for your time today. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode. Now, Arpit, if anyone wanted to find you online, where can they say hi? Well, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, they can reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, on both, you, they can find me as I Can Automate. That's my uh, LinkedIn and Twitter handle, I Can Automate. They can also check out my website. That's dataled.academy, uh, D-A-T-A-L-E-D.academy. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty responsive. I'm, I'm also super active in a bunch of Slack communities. So if you find me in any of those Slack communities, feel free to say hi. Amazing. And as always, you just listened to another episode of Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast. I hope everyone has a great week. Hey, thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to submit a rating and leave a review on your podcasting app. Reviews like this help to grow this podcast and get it to more people like yourself, people who want to grow in their marketing careers. If you want to say hello, you can find me on any social media platform by simply searching Kenny Soto. I look forward to hearing from you soon. And as always, let's keep growing together.